You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Manish and today we are joined by the man who is in charge of clearing Donald Trump out of the White House. Welcome to the show, the professional mover himself. His name is Abby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Big debut for the company there. Evictions are us. It's, uh, <laughs> it's tough getting the Donald out of the uh, the old White House. The Teflon but, uh, Don. The Teflon Don. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I don't know where, where that name comes from, but... Um, well, thanks, man. How's how's everything with you? You know what? Um, I'm going to start off with a quick story, and I think you'll like this. Okay, so two hours later, <laughs> everyone just fast forward to the end. <laughs> too real, too real, yeah. man. Um, so uh, I was talking to my mom the other day. Okay. And she goes, uh, she got a call from my cousin, who's a uh, software engineer, mm-hmm. and uh, she said, um, "We have to buy a gold bit." She said, Goldbit is going 10x. Okay. You didn't call to tell me about this trade? Right. So check this out. So um, I'm like, what the hell is Goldbit? She goes, Goldbit, uh, Goldcoin. I'm like, Bitcoin. She's like, yes, Bitcoin. Your cousin called and said, Bitcoin is going 10x. Do you think we should, like, what do you think we should do? Load the truck up. It's like, Mom, I've already got the mortgage agent. We're re- more refinancing the house. Like, Say no more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was a week ago. Okay. The last couple of days, I look at my phone. Aurora is going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's up like It was up 50% like two days in a row, almost three days in a row, I think. Um, Aurora on today's uh, Tuesday night. Aurora on um, Monday or Friday traded over $4 billion US. Okay. That's several times its market cap was traded on Aurora. Oh, yeah. The the chart was insane. It was and, up 100% that day. Uh, Yeah, whatever. What, like, you know, over a couple of days, it's more than doubled, right? And tonight, I was telling you, I got three emails from the brokers uh, that there's an equity raise for Aurora. Yeah. What year is it? Like I feel like we're back in 2017, right? 2016. Like, Bitcoin the presidential election. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bitcoin's going 10x. Like, yeah. like I just want to start off by saying nobody seems to have learned any lessons from last time around. Or 2020 is what 2016 should have been. Mm. Democrats win. Mm. Aurora does really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they were they were on the up and coming. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin was on the cusp, but on the precipice of being 10x. Yeah. So maybe your mom just got the call four four years late. You yeah. know. Do you hear this? This is exactly my point. Nobody learns anything. <laughs> so the the point I'm I'm getting at just before we start, mm-hmm. which the episode today is about, um, you know, digesting the U.S. election, talking about the future of U.S. cannabis, which I've never been more excited for. I, I think that um, there's a lot of really good stuff to discuss here today. But I just want to caution everybody. You know, all cannabis stocks are not created equal. I would hope to God our listeners know this by now, but Canadian cannabis rallying 
is a sugar rush. It's a fugazi. It's not real in most of these instances. And the it, it kind of pains me to see people getting caught up in the same traps that they should have learned from already, mm-hmm. right? So that's re- really what concerns me. When I see people chasing, you know, Aurora or Canopy on the way up um, with no regard, no regard to valuation or, you know, is something reasonably priced, um, that really, really concerns me. Okay. Right? And and I, I just want to strongly, strongly caution. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy any Canadian name, but if you're buying it because it's going up and that's your justification and, you know, hey, it was a couple times higher a couple years ago, so it's headed back, be careful. What I want to add to that is our listeners obviously will know the difference, but like, like you said, you know, not all cannabis names are created equally. Um, what I really think is going to really impact people, investors in the broader scheme going forward is that it's actually more dangerous now mm-hmm. than to put your money in any cannabis names. Like now you've got to be a little bit more well-informed Yes. to sort of see success. Yes. It's no longer, you know, put a blindfold on and chuck darts. And buy the ETF essentially. Just buy whatever you have or buy a name and it just, people hear about it and it goes up. Yeah. Well, some people don't like ETF, so maybe maybe they'll instead they'll buy. I, no, I, I mean that as like a metaphor. Like just oh. you just buy cannabis. You buy like 10 names and just let it run kind of thing. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. I mean like, look, if you do do that mm-hmm. and you don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Call Abby. Well, I mean, just look at my portfolio. Join this club. You know what? What what, <laughs> what names do I hold in my portfolio? Aurora Canopy. No, I'm, I'm totally kidding, but um, that's what most people would buy. Most people would go mm-hmm. buy Canopy Aurora, mm-hmm. Afria. Who knows? Maybe they'll be like, oh man, this MedMen deal. Mm-hmm. Company's gonna Fire. be huge, mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Can trust. I can trust that this is gonna make me a lot of money. Cantegrity. Cantegrity. There you go. So is that is that your next deal? <laughs> Um, but no, so I mean, now it's even more dangerous. If you put your name, if you put your money into these uh, these companies, um, they don't have a clear path to profitability. They yes. don't have uh, the compelling fundamentals that there are other names that do. They don't even have good jur- jurisdictional, like <clears throat> sorry, they're not even in the right jurisdiction. There's barriers to entry. What they do have is a Nasdaq listing, which traders love. Mm-hmm. And they've got the name and brand recognition. Right. So what can happen is you get a little bit of short covering. Yep. Right. Um, you get a little bit of hype and money coming in. The traders know these names. They've, you know, once upon a time traded them and made money on them. Um, and then because because you have NASDAQ, you've got options, you've got warrants, you've got all kinds of, you know, liquidity options. People pile into those names. The shorts cover. The thing goes bananas people suddenly look at their account and go, oh my God, Aurora's back, right? I saw somebody uh, online saying, why is Aurora rallying on US election news? And then somebody else said, well, they bought a CBD player. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're going to now make money in the US with US Mm -hmm. legalization. None of those things, like, this is like silly time, right? Like, now it's just one person, but it just goes to show you, like, this is the kind of stuff that gets people into trouble, right? So... Um, what this is to me reiterating is just the power of the NASDAQ listing, right? But just, just to finally close this, I, this idea off before we get into, you know, the, the U.S., um, Canopy has a roughly a $9 billion U.S. dollar valuation. It's worth $9 billion, okay? GTI is worth half of that, 
Okay, so roughly four and a half billion. Mm-hmm. Okay, Canopy just reported they did a hundred million US roughly. Okay, of, of revenue, way negative EBITDA, and they've burned five hundred million Canadian, three hundred and seventy-five million US of cash in six months. Okay, mm-hmm. they had warrants exercise, so it's, it's they brought some money in, but yeah. they're operationally they burned 375 million US of cash, right? Mm -hmm. GTI, which is going to report tomorrow or Wednesday after close, so like after this comes out, will probably do 135 million US, maybe even more, Mm -hmm. and will have 25 to 30% plus EBITDA and will have strong cash flow, except they'll they'll have to pay their deferred taxes. So, you know, they might be cash flow break even. Right. But how can you... Like, how can one be worth double the other? It doesn't make any sense. So last point on this, look, if you're a trader or you're a technical guy or gal and you're like, look, I'm buying this because the moving day average, whatever, whatever, fine. Okay. I don't understand that world. I don't think people are doing that though. hundred percent. Some people are doing that. No I doubt. mean, some people have, of course. Right. But, but I, I have a very simple thesis when I get into investing. Okay. And that is that. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with the stock price. Okay. I never know where it's going in the short term, but over time, companies that make money and execute on a business plan will get rewarded and companies that lose money and don't execute on a solid business plan will get punished, right? That is a very simple philosophy that I stick to and I adhere to in investing. Okay. Okay. And if you believe that, and you compare these companies apples to apples, it doesn't make any any sense that Canopy is worth $9 billion. So that's it. Do what you want to do. But when I see people behaving like it's 2017 all over again, mm-hmm. I really get I really get I get concerned. I get concerned for people because you know, it's usually not millionaires doing this, right? It's not large institutions behaving this way. Uh, although they can b- do stupid things too. Um, it's usually just average Joes, right? It's average people spending, you know, hard-earned money that they're just throwing away, right? And I'm like, guys, come on. We got to be better than this. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> that, that, that's that's very well well put. I mean, very heartfelt. You know, your your heart goes out to all the <laughs> listeners who are investing in uh, in, in Canopy. Abby's furi- um, furiously canceling his trades as we're talking. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Sell, yeah. Killer Phil, just kill, just kill. Call my broker right now, talking to him, being like, hey, listen, <laughs> this uh, Canopy opie company, it's they, they don't make COVID it's canopies. Can't OP. Yeah, they don't make COVID canopies. They, okay, yeah. that's um, it. I just, you know, that's been really bugging me the last couple of days. Um, I wanted to get that out there. Yeah. Okay. On to the U.S. So the future is bright. Um, a lot of times, you know, I come on here and I talk about the politics of cannabis and where I see it going. And I say, hey, they're, they're saying the word decriminalize, but really they're doing this. Right. And I have a lot of conviction. Um, there's a lot of moving parts here and I have not fully digested and figured out what's what I think is going to happen. So that's going to take some time um, and and just paying attention to things and, and getting more information. I just really don't know what's going to happen uh, next. However, what I can say is that when I look at the different potential realities, right, we talked about last time, potential realities, um, all of them look positive. And the question is just, 
you know, we can, I think I can see what's going to happen. The question is, when is it going to happen? Right. And there's uh, positives if it happens faster and there's positives if it takes longer. There's mm-hmm. actually positives in every direction. Um, and I'm incredibly, incredibly excited for the future of U.S. cannabis. Okay. So let's talk about it. I, I, I don't think that's a new, that's like a, that, that enthusiasm, that excitement is not right. just because of the uh, the election. I mean, I, I'd say you've been pretty reinvigorated for the last four months. Yeah, that's totally, so right. totally. Uh, with the acceleration that happened from COVID, mm-hmm. that has um, definitely- Well, when was it? Who, I can't remember. It was one of our listeners. He asked a question of like, mm-hmm. what's going to get you guys re-excited for cannabis? When, when mm-hmm. was that? Was that in May or- That's a- I think I think it was, no, I think it was a long time ago because I think we talked about Canada. We did, but I remember doing it. I remember doing it sure. in my basement. So sure. it was like at the time, like that, that's where we used to record during yeah, COVID. That's right. Um, so that's where, anyways, um, what I was getting at with that was, you know, this is clearly something that's reinvigorated your re-added vitality or, yeah, <laughs> to your, uh, to, to your, uh, a little, a pep in your step more or less. We're having you know? fun tonight, eh? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, so look. Here's where we are, okay? Biden has won, uh, allegedly. <laughs> but no, Biden Biden will be the president. Um, don't, say, don't say that with so much conviction, man. You, like, you and I uh, were worried about civil unrest, right? So far, doesn't seem to have happened, okay? Yeah. Um, yes, that's Abby knocking on wood, hopefully. Um, so never, look, never count, you know, Donald Trump out. You never know what's going to happen next, but it looks like, we know where the presidency is going to land. The Senate is up for grabs, okay? Mm-hmm. 48 to 48 right now, the seats. I think the two that are being counted will go to the Republicans. I'm not really sure. But there's two runoff elections in Georgia. So um, probably going to end up 51-49 or 52-48, but could end up 50-50, mm-hmm. okay? Um, the Senate has been for the last few years the biggest barrier to cannabis legislation. Mitch right. McConnell has just refused to bring legislation for even a vote, right? And and that has been the biggest impediment because if you had a straight up or down vote and people were on the record voting, right. cannabis would probably do okay. A lot, be a lot more favorable. Because a lot of these senators now have cannabis businesses in their state <clears throat> and cannabis is polling you know, federally now at almost 70%. For legalization, right, right. So, uh, up or down vote probably going to go well, but if right. you can't get there, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about the the Biden presidency is a big win, and I'll tell you why. Because Biden him it, it's a it's a weird situation because Biden himself is not a advocate for cannabis. In fact. Everything he has said is mostly negative on cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because the guy is almost, you know, the guy's 80 years old, essentially. Yeah. And he grew up in a time and a place where, you know, it was the devil's lettuce, right? Yeah. yeah. So reefer madness. Re- literally reefer madness, yeah. right? I think so he was behind that campaign. He was the author of <laughs> reefer madness. <laughs> We're kidding. Yeah. But he is not in favor of cannabis. But what you saw in the primaries is he said, I'm not for it. Every single Democrat, you know, turned on him and he and then the spokesman was like, no, 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 he misspoke. He's actually, you know, did. So it's a weird situation where 
the party is for it. The leader is, you know, lukewarm at best. Well, Kamala's for it. So. Kamala's a huge proponent yeah. for it. She so. was the sponsor of the Moore Act in the Senate years ago, right? The mo- not, I'm sorry, a year ago, which is the most progressive piece of legislation we've ever yeah. seen. We owe her this rally. We owe her this rally. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. So- so what is it? What is the win? Okay, let me tell you the the kind of clear wins at the federal level. First of all, I, you're not going to see any federal enforcement issues. Okay? okay, which we didn't really see with Trump, but Obama had something called the Cole Memo, which was them saying um, we're not going to prosecute, you know, legally run quote unquote state state legally run cannabis. We're not going to prosecute unless it has to do with money laundering or selling to minors or whatever, whatever, right? Jeff Sessions came and he rescinded the Cole memo mm-hmm. and he kind of said it's, you know, open season on cannabis companies, right? Right. So so then we got rid of Jeff Sessions and everything was okay, but now we have certainty. Okay. Now we have the feeling of, hey, we're safe. That is very positive, okay? Okay. Second thing that's very positive, uh, and this is actually a question from Alex, uh, M&A. If you remember, there was a ton of cannabis M&A happening in 19, right? Mm-hmm. Blockbuster M&A, okay? MedMen Pharmacan, Verano Harvest, uh, Origin House Cresco got absolutely derailed by these antitrust reviews. If you remember, it's called HSR Second Requests, where basically- right. yeah, yeah. And the HSR Second yeah. Request, we just figured, well, it's cannabis, it's new, whatever. Yeah. Wasn't the DOJ getting behind it? Exactly. Yeah. It was it was Attorney General uh, Bill Barr. We found out later this is not normal. They only were working on like ten cases, and like eight of them were cannabis. And there was a whistleblower who came out recently and said this is not right. Uh, he's a lifelong Republican, and he said we were we were spending all of our time on these cannabis companies, mm-hmm. which didn't fit the criteria for antitrust, but it was because they didn't like cannabis, so they were doing everything they could to jam it up. Right. Right. First of all, that's just morally wrong. Right. And it just shows you the audacity of, of you know, Bill Barr. But uh, this is really, really good news. The next AG is not going to be doing this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, second reviews can apply to any M&A past uh, greater than 94 million. And if you notice, M&A has really like large scale M&A has not happened really this year. No. And that was one thing that I'm still very shocked at. Given the fact that we went through a peak in a valley in terms of valuations uh, when we were in the valley, I thought we would see heightened M&A activity, especially here in Canada or even in, in the States as well. I think part of it was, too, people were just, you know, it, it's it's like in markets. People go too far one way and too far the other way. So first, deal making went crazy. And then there was a correction and people kind of started just to focus internally on their own operations. Right. Let's focus on what we have. Right. Let, let's make sure we can do what we, we can do. Right. Now I feel like we're really ripe for more M&A. I don't think we'll see blockbuster M&A like we did with, you know, <clears throat> Cura Leaf and Grassroots. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just too many overlapping license issues at the state level. Right. Right. So like, you know, I mean, pick a state, right? Like they usually have license caps to them. You can still solve those. You can, and that happened with Cure Leaf and Grassroots. They they're right. selling off licenses that they have duplicates of, essentially, right? Right. Um, but this just clears the pathway for that, right? And you can see now single state operators who are a hundred, two hundred, three hundred million dollars, or you know even small MSOs, getting gobbled up now. 
that is a huge plus for the industry. Right. Maybe not today, maybe even today, but looking forward for the next couple of years, that is a huge barrier that's been lifted for the industry. Okay. So that's a clear win. That does. Yeah, that is. The Senate. Um, it, I looked this up today. What happens if it goes 50-50? Yeah. Uh, the vice president is a tie-breaking vote. A lot of people know that. Uh, but what happens is there's a lot of gridlock. So Mitch McConnell on the Republican side, Chuck Schumer on the Democratic side, they basically negotiate everything. But I do think this means you could bring things in for a vote. You could get a straight up or down vote on, for example, uh, the SAFE Act, which they'll they'll probably just, you know, so, so just the threat of that, the, the yeah. reality is that that's coming, means that, you know, McConnell is going to have to deal with this. And he's a very strategic thinker, right? And it comes back now to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Every single politician is going to see this poll, not even poll, sorry, the results of the ballot that 75% of people in Mississippi, a deep, deep red state, yeah. said yes to legal medical cannabis. And you can't ignore that poll. You can't ignore that poll. That's it, insane. It's not even a poll. It's real. It's real or sorry, referendum yeah. results. Yeah, you can't you can't you cannot ignore those results. Nobody gets seventy five percent of the vote. Nobody. So Mississippians, who, you know, they like their herb. They, <laughs> look, I, I think people understand that, you know, this is especially when it comes to medical, mm-hmm. it's a down the middle issue. Right? People left, right, center, whatever, they agree. Medical cannabis should be allowed. Yeah, I agree with that. And then on top of that, I mean, like, look, you know, we, we've hashed this out multiple times before, but tax revenue is massive for these states. And, like, with all the stimulus, all the Fed stuff that's happening, the tax, like, dollars that you're going to need from everything, it, it, the argument has never been more compelling than right now, especially with with what with uh with with the Mississauga, uh, Mississauga. Mississauga. The Mississippi uh real Toronto boy there. Yeah. The Mississippi uh results. Agreed. 100%, right? And again, cannabis going 5 for 5, you know, we just added to the cannabis club South Dakota uh on the rec side, Montana on the rec side and Mississippi on the medical side. Welcome to the club, boys and girls. Like it just keeps growing. Right. Right? We're reaching that tipping point. And, you know, Republican politicians are going to look at each other and say, why are we falling on this sword? Like, why are we going to be the ones to fight this? Right. And and that's that is incredibly bullish. Right. Now, let's talk about what happens if the Senate doesn't come Democratic. It stays how it is. OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so sorry. Obviously, if we get more cannabis legislation passed, safe states, more, more act. Um, obviously we can understand why that's good for the sector, right? Right. <clears throat> but what if we don't? Like, what if it's just Mitch McConnell in charge and we get what's called, what I like to call more of the same, which by the way, I think that's where we're going. I think we're going to get a lot more of the same of what we, we've already been getting. Right. I can see that. I can see that happening. I would say that's a more plausible scenario than, than the other two as well. Absolutely. Right. Because we, to the Democrats have to win two, they win both of the Georgia elections. Right. Right, it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's January seventh or something is the, is the actual election. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean they're they're probably not going to win both, but no. maybe they will. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but so more of the same. 
is actually, in a weird way, it's not bad for the existing MSOs and the existing investors, right? The industry has gotten to the point where the top tier operators are making money. Right. They are profitable. They are making money. They are generating cash flow. They have good access to capital. The second tier players, you know, they're, they're, some of them are making money. Some of them are breaking even, but they're, you know, they're close enough kind of thing. Right. Right. The, the, I would say bottom tier, but like the third quartile, the, the, I'd I'd go by quartile, but like the earliest, what I mean to say is like the, the early stage companies, the people just trying to get started. Bottom quartile for sure for that. Yeah. But, but it's so difficult. It's almost impossible right now to get, if if you're, you're like, if you are just trying to start up a cannabis company with no experience, like you're, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about what happened back in like 2015, 2016. Or even before that. Yeah, around that, 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. when, like, basically pitch decks were getting funded, right? That's not going to happen. That's over. Yeah, that like we can, you and I can both agree with that. Even if you're trying to start a cannabis company, I mean, now, again, you'll start seeing some more flavorful, I'm using air quotes here, flavorful deals, where you're, you'll see things that are not necessarily as vanilla as limited license states, cultivators, extractors, brands, whatever. You'll see some, some sort of offshoot onto it. That kind of lets you know that kind of lets you know that um, there's a lot of capital coming into the space. That's a good indicator. If you start seeing, you know, like just weird, I don't know. Remember you and I talked about this in the past. Odorless, odorless cannabis. Yeah, odorless cannabis. It's just like, like. Why? Yeah, that's not getting funded in June of 2020. Right. You know? That right. might have gotten funded. In 17. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Right. But like mm-hmm. now, like. <laughs> Anyways, so when you that that's what I mean by these offshoot deals. Yes. When you start seeing that, that's a good indicator that there's a lot of cannabis. Like when you see them getting funded, that's a good indicator that there's a lot of capital flowing in, into the space. Yes, that is right. a great point you just made. A uh, great way to see is if, and this is where I think sometimes the the you know people at home um, are at a dis- disadvantage in the space because if you're not at the ground level and you're not seeing the private deals or involved with those, those deals, you're not necessarily getting the true picture of what's going on. Right. Like we have a story about, um, in hindsight, I should have known it was a bubble because I'm talking to a client of mine and I say, Hey, I'm doing a deal. And you know, he like, like almost threw his checkbook at me. Right. Like, right. like, give me, I want to do it with you. Like, you know, and I'm like, well, hang on. Like, you don't even know what the deal is. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, you, you know, that's a that is a worrisome sign because excess capital, right, uh, leads to, you know, bubbles and it leads to well, no, no, an overabundance of capitals mm-hmm. leads to frivolous spending. Hundred now multiply that on a sector level, right? It's like right overcapitalized sectors mm-hmm. leads to, you know. 24 hours hour security detail for the CEO's family with Pearl White Escalades picking up his kids. Five private, or not, I don't know how many that guy had, but a couple private jets. This is the Med Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the bunker in the house. Yeah, yeah the whole, the whole like, bit. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like those are. It, it's a Howard Marks line. Like there, there's, you know, for investors, the, the, the travesty is too much money chasing too few deals. Right. And we're not there right now in cannabis which for investors is a really good thing. That's why we did that episode, the golden age of cannabis investing in the US. And more of the same elongates the runway 
it extends the golden age. So that's actually when I'm looking kind of down at the possibilities. Right. It's like, okay, we've got a president, incoming president, who doesn't love cannabis, right? Everyone's pushing him to do it, but is he going to make it a priority? Is it a first hundred day kind of issue? Mm, probably not, right? Um, we have a Senate, which is probably not going to go our way. Hopefully it does, but it probably right. won't, right? Um, but the writing is on the wall. The horse has left the barn. The train's left the station. So a couple more metaphors. There. The boat is on route. Yeah. Okay. The Uber driver's downstairs. No. <laughs> One minute away. The Uber's been ordered. One minute order. The yeah. Uber's been ordered. The app's been downloaded. Okay. Just need credit card <laughs> the, information. The Uber's searching We're for good. the driver. We're good, buddy. We're good. Okay. I think I think they get it. I think they get it. The horse is in front of the cart right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Which is where you want it to be. Well, it's not it's, the cart in front of the horse anymore. Well, yeah. Okay. But the the idea is it's coming, but we don't know when. And. Ultimately, the politicians can only stand in front of the freight train for so long, right? Like who wants to get, who wants to be the one to die for this battle, right? right? When ultimately, like, what do they care, right? If, if, as long as they're not the ones doing it, like, like they don't want to be seen necessarily promoting it, right? But why should they be the champion who fights against it? You know what I mean? So... Mm. Uh, where were we? Oh, so Senate. Okay, so we've got the president who's like, yeah, okay, lukewarm on it. We've got the Senate who, um, but he won't. But the president's not going to go and you know go after it at all, right? Right. There's no. So there's very not no, but very little downside risk of prosecution or enforcement. On the Senate side, um, you know the writing's on the wall, so you're likely to get something like the Safe Act put inside of something like the coronavirus bill, right? And then, okay, fine, we can vote on it, you know, it, be, it we can get it done, but we don't have to do a straight up or down vote on it. Right. Right? Something like the SAFE Act is very incremental. It, it's not a huge game changer like people think it is. It, it's helpful, it's great, it's long overdue, mm-hmm. but it's a banking bill. Right. Right? It just means you can stop using cash, you can start using credit cards, you can, like, you can do all the things you should be able to do. Right. But if you're starting a cannabis company from scratch, safe banking isn't going to help you a ton. Right. It's going to yeah. help you a little bit. Yeah. Right. But the benefit's going to go to the guys at I the top. I was going to say, the, if it's going to help anybody in the sector, it's going to help the people who have already proven that they're 100%. successful operationally. 100%. Right. Like just so a lot of people uh, know in the capital structure, when you're, as you sort of mature and get mm-hmm. bigger and you start getting cheaper capital, mm-hmm. that's usually safer capital. They're, they, they are really looking for operators that have proven it. They're not funding venture, right? There's a reason that venture exists because mm-hmm. you're you're meeting angel investors who are high mm-hmm. risk, mm-hmm. Uh, who are personally funding it or their families are funding it. Um, completely, completely, completely different risk appetites mm-hmm. and deal flows mm-hmm. go to t- those two different types of investors. And it's extremely important to, to reiterate that. And so I'm glad that you talked about uh, SAFE. Yeah, you, you, good point there too. But with with safe, what you'll what I think you'll see is first of all, actually, we, we shouldn't say it. it will help. It will help the operators in that. For example, if you're just a mom and pop retail mm-hmm. shop owner, yeah, right now you can take credit cards. You don't have to like. There still are ways to do digital. Oh, for payments. sure, it'll, it'll trickle down indirectly. Affect totally, totally startups for yes. sure. But the outsized benefit will go to those at the top. Exactly. Right, because well, they already have their infrastructure there. They have infrastructure, and ultimately. Like banks aren't just going to be lining up to throw money at these guys. They're going to be very cautious, right? So they're going to say, okay, um, hey, you know, GTI or Truly, like, okay, you've got 
cash flow. Okay, great. Let's talk about that, right? And they'll probably do something relatively conservative to start, like small amounts of capital, but the cost of capital will come down. Right. Right. And it won't come down overnight either. Like it will, this will take time to play out. See that? I don't, sorry, that I don't know. I mean, of course it's not going to happen overnight, but I think it's going to happen a lot. I think the compression for the capital coming mm-hmm. down, I think it's going to occur a lot quicker than a lot of people or a lot of the, than you anticipate. And why is that? Well, the reason I say that is because if you look at where this industry has gone in, in let, let's just say a year. Okay. In the last, in the last year, let's just say how this industry has gone. You look at companies like truly like Trulieve, GTI, Cresco, um, Cureleaf. Um, those are the, if you look at the top tier companies mm-hmm. and you start seeing um, how well they've been able to perform. Mm-hmm. Let's forget that they're cannabis companies. How sure. well have they been able to perform with all the hurdles that they have? Mm-hmm. Okay, they have insane hurdles. Mm-hmm. They're cash flow positive. Mm-hmm. Okay, they've proven that they can operate. They've proven that they can be successful right. in their own states, mm-hmm. right? When capital starts coming into those guys, the next tier down isn't that far off. I don't think Air Strategies is, you know, I, I consider them a second quartile For company, sure. yeah. right? But I consider them top second quartile, right? They're 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 edging to be in that top twenty five percent. So so look, that's a good example because actually, um, like let's take Cresco. Cresco is not cash flow positive. They'll probably get there Q three Q four. Like they've got a huge ramp coming up. But Cresco's not cash flow positive. Yeah, but Cresco does an insane amount of revenue, though. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But but again, banks don't look at banks care about the bottom line. Yes, right? that's true. So like Air is probably better. Like Air Air will probably better uh, be better suited to get debt than somebody like Cresco. Right. Because Air actually does really impressive cash flow. Right. So um, the the point being, you would expect, hey, safe is passed. Boom! All the top four, five, six operators are going to get bank capital right away. Right. I'm not so sure. I'm just saying I think it'll take a little bit of time. Um, now, maybe, look, maybe they're already having those discussions. Maybe they're already raring to go. So maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, I just think they'll No, no, they'll we're, take we're, we're, talking to, about, we're talking about margins compressing. Margins being? Like the the spreads on interest rates, the, the cost to borrow compressing. From who, though? From the banks. Well, right now they can't borrow from the banks. Right, right. But that, that's what the whole, the whole the thing was. You're like, it's not going to happen. Or, the compression's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a long time. For, for the, I agree. For with, the compression to happen, you need the banks one, have to start lending. Right. Sorry. I'm, that's in my this point. scenario, I'm assuming, sorry, my mistake. I, th- I thought we were assuming that the banks were already lending. I'm saying point. safe gets passed. Yeah. I don't think the banks cut the check the, the day after. Okay. You're right. Right. Okay, sorry. That's not what I heard was safe gets passed. The banks don't cut the check the day after. Mm-hmm. Um insurance or sorry the the compression the cost of borrow does not occur right away mm-hmm. uh, it's going to take a lot longer than you anticipate mm-hmm. i'm saying no okay safe gets passed the banks obviously don't lend the next day but once the banks start lending oh the cost that of capital compression is going to boom happen. yeah that's what yeah, i was yeah. saying the minute right. you get a dollar from the bank exactly it's going to be half the cost of what you're getting it privately right so i, I mean again truly is a great marker here truly yeah, go ahead. And then w- well, once you get that $1 from that one bank for that mm-hmm. one deal, well, guess what? The second tier bank is going to be like, well, I can't just let that guy do it. Like, yes. We have to get into it. Yes. And then it becomes and goes into that FOMO motion. And good, we've good seen point. that play out in every sector. Yes, that's that's fair. That's a good point. We saw play. We saw that story play out in Canada, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and by the way, a lot of those banks are super underwater on those deals. 
Um, so that's why I, well, Scotia and Labs, like. <laughs> well, no, but that's an equity deal. That's actually not that bad. I mean, like a lot of these banks are holding debt. Oh, okay. okay the yeah, debt yeah. capital they're holding is like you know they're scared. Are they going to get repaid or not? Right. Right. So um, I'm just saying I think that'll be a bit of a cautionary tale. Right. In that seeing how how poorly some of the Canadian banks have performed with regards to lending. Yeah. I do think the American ones might be a little conservative, not super conservative, but they'll just take a little bit of time. Your point is well taken. Once once the first one jumps, then it's going to happen. M- more will certainly jump in. Yes, I agree. Right. So that's so but again, safe, which I think we could get in, you know, even a even if the Dems lose, we could still get safe, okay? That's not really groundbreaking fundamental change. It's a good step. Mm -hmm. They might even tweak it a little bit to allow capital markets and NASDAQ uplisting. That would be a huge step. If that comes in, you know, now we're talking, Mm -hmm. right? But as it is right now, the safe doesn't have that. So that's very important to to realize. The good news, again, is- Why would the SAFE Act have that? Why would it have what? The NASDAQ uplisting. Well, SAFE is- the, the word safe comes from safe harbor, meaning that- We seek safe harbor? They're giving safe harbor to the banking institutions that, hey, if you bank these people, you are safe. You you cannot get prosecuted because that's what they're all worried about, the uncertainty. Right. And today, no matter how you sugarcoat and dress it up, there is no certainty for these institutions. So it's not worth it for them to take risk if they're a large financial institution, right? Why risk, you know- hundreds of billions of dollars you have, like why risk $100 to pick up a penny? doesn't make sense, right? So this would be able to, this gives them that 100% certainty. You will not get prosecuted for doing X, Y, Z. Right. That's the safe harbor. But what does that have anything to do with uplisting the NASDAQ? Well, why can't we give safe harbor to the NASDAQ? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Right. So you could expand it theoretically to include the capital markets activity. Right. And my thesis is that the banks who are in part pushing for safe, they want that equity. Um, they want the opportunity to raise equity for these companies because, yeah, sure, taking deposits, lending money, all that is great. But they make real money on the investment banking side, right? Yeah. When they when they get seven eight percent commissions plus warrant coverage, you know, that's a lot. they originate it and they syndicate it, send it to their wealth management arm. They probably clip about 12%. That's a lot of money, right? That's that's where the real dough is. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, that's where this thing is headed. Right. The question is when, right? And as much as it's like, hey, I want that to happen tomorrow, um, you know, ultimately, if it takes a couple years... That's not the end of the world. Like that actually argument to be made, it really helps the existing infrastructure. It helps the existing operators Mm -hmm. get out ahead of everybody. Right. It stops the Canadian LPs from entering the space. Mm -hmm. Uh, And by the way, even if they could enter the space tomorrow, so what? Yeah, they're, they're, it's. Too little, too late. They're way too far behind. They're way not gonna, too far they behind. They can't catch up. Exactly. And they don't, like, they're not that special, right? Like, no, they, I mean, they're not, they're not special at all. Well, well they're not, I mean, if you look at, so for example, um, 
the M&A some of them have done. So we got, we've got a bunch of questions in the past about Kronos. And the fact that Kronos is sitting on a pile of money, mm-hmm. I think it's like 1.5 or 1.8 billion. I can't remember the number now, but right. they've got a huge war chest and they're not really doing much in Canada. Mm-hmm. And the thesis is they're sitting and waiting for uh, you know Gotham Green to cobble together assets and then flip them up to Kronos. Okay. You know, now that Gotham Green has, you know, stolen Ianthus, um, there's some credibility to that theory. I yeah. actually like it. I could totally see them flipping it up to Kronos, right? Uh, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. However, um, if you look at the M&A Kronos has done so far, they paid $300 million U.S. Mm-hmm. to buy Lord Jones, which was a shiny CBD company that does nothing in revenue and makes zero money. So that is a black eye on their ability to do M&A, right? A, yeah. a Freya just paid $300 million U.S., to buy Sweetwater, which is the uh, uh, beer company, but it has that kind of 420 beer, um, you know, culture behind it mm-hmm. where there's kind of a, when you read through it, you go, okay, there's a cannabis feel to it, although there's no real cannabis in it. Right. Um, I'm probably not, I'm probably going to, you know, piss off the Afria people, but honestly, I've read through that deal. Like, I, look, I haven't dug through it completely. I don't get it. I think... I think this deal was a complete misfire from my reading of it and I should I'll spend more time on it but you know they paid 12 and a half times 2020 EBITDA um you know truly have paid four and a half times EBITDA to buy the Pennsylvania assets that are actual limited license valuable assets right right like Freya paid a ton of money I mean 300 million dollars US they could have knocked on Cresco's door and said, "Hey, here's 200 million bucks. You know, we're, give us a long-term warrant to buy 10% of your company, and a, you know, a warrant to buy 10% more in the future. You know, you could have done so much damage with that amount of money. Just out of curiosity, that's your go-to um, 300 million dollar example as outrageous. What do you mean that?" Uh, Afria goes to Cresco, knocks on the door, and has a very well orchestrated deal. Usually, when people no, say I'm like, saying that's, that's done, what they should have done. No, I know, but usually when people say they could have done what they could have done with three hundred million, it's like, oh man, they could have just like you know bought out uh, what company's under three hundred million right now. They could have just bought that whole company out, and it's like here's just like they could have done this very specific deal. <laughs> well, it, if you think about what they're trying to accomplish, that's hilarious, right? They're they're trying to get a brand, they're trying to get distribution. And oh no, I get what they're trying to, trying to accomplish, and I get what you're trying to accomplish yeah. with the metaphor. It's just and, uh, you, hilarious. You that's the the <laughs> avenue you went with. Like, well, I picked, you went with like a very reasonable. Thing. Well, I thought about it. I, I yeah, thought about it, and I, I, and I, I said, I that. said, man, Cresco needs money. Cresco needs capital. Right, they're still burning. They've got a glo- global. They've got a national distribution yeah. platform. Right, in terms of cannabis. Right, they've got that large California presence with Origin, like that would have that deal would have made a ton of sense. I wonder if there's a banker listening right now who's like, "Oh man, I know exactly what I'm going to pitch to Freya tomorrow <laughs> in our morning meeting." And look, I mean, you know, one of the things you you realize when you actually talk to the companies is all this M and A sounds great on paper, but in reality, it's not so easy. It's super, super, super difficult. Yes. So you know. The guys at Afria would, would probably say, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. This, you know, this is this is the M and A that works for us as a CPG company. Um, and look, if, if this ends up being the deal that you know is is um, that changes the whole market and kills it for Afria, 
God bless. I'll be happy to say I was wrong. And hey, I, I just didn't understand the genius level of thinking. Um, and I like Afria. I like what they've done here in Canada, right? I think they've got a solid footprint and they've been very disciplined in their approach. Uh, but this deal to me makes no sense. And it's their, you know, it's their first real large scale M&A, right. right? So the point I'm making here is that Canadians aren't just going to show up and run the table, right? In fact, I think they're going to show up and they're going to be like, wait, what? Like, what What do you mean? It's like, they don't understand the first thing about these, some of these states. So I would put my money on Ben Kovler or Kim Rivers mm-hmm. to do a creative, smart M&A over the people here in Canada all day long. I agree. I, th- I, th- I think, I mean, like, look, listen, the people here in Canada have had a much longer run rate or runway, sorry, to do these M&As. And look at the M&As that they have done. There has not been one blockbuster M&A where you're like, this was insanely good. Mm. Like, I would say, had the Cresco Origin House deal gone through. It, had, it did go through. Well, I mean, like, to the exact same terms that we when, when we first thought about right, it. Right, okay. Like, sure, sure. The, the, it got, you got, it got changed so yeah, many yeah. times sure, that, sure. like, it wasn't the deal you and I thought was going to sure. happen. Okay. Right? That was a really, 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 really accretive um, and a visionary M&A, I would say, for that time. Sure. We've not seen that in Canada at all. Like, I can't, I literally, I'm rack, trying to rack my head right now. I cannot, I think maybe the best one would be like, I don't know. I, I can't even think. Like, Valens buying up brands. And even that's like not outrageous, mm-hmm. right? That's still within within our sandbox. Um, so, yes. I, but and the it, only, the only like, the, what jumps to mind is uh, Pure Sun Farms. And the uh, village farms, but village I mean, farms, they already but had that, exactly. It's right? an existing like, yeah. asset. They were just buying out. Yeah, so they already had. That. Right. So, I mean, like maybe okay, fine. If you go back to like inception of when they first thought of that idea, maybe that's how they orchestrated it. Mm-hmm. Clever, great on them because it was very clever. That's the closest one that you have. That, right? I know you're right. Absolutely, I, so, I can't think of real like exciting M and A that has happened in can. Now the other thing too is in Canada, y- you know, they're the um, the M and A hasn't really been that n- like you're not necessarily getting something that you couldn't do yourself yeah. because you don't have those barriers, right? You don't have limited licenses. Um, so everybody was like, well, I could buy an extractor or I could just try to do it myself. Right. Right. And, and that might not work out, but that's what everybody thinks. Mm -hmm. So they're not in a rush to go, you know, buy these assets. That's true. That's true. I never looked at it from that perspective. But the, the point being that, you know, to bring it back to this idea of the Senate, more of the same guys it, it means that Canadian LPs can't do anything. They're locked out, right? They're outside looking in. All they can do is go buy Sweetwater at 12 and a half times EBITDA, right? Like your cannabis dollar should not be buying something for 12 and a half times EBITDA. Like that's crazy, right? You can get, like you can buy True Leaf today at like, you know, eight times their future EBITDA, mm-hmm. right? Like why would I be buying Sweetwater for that? It, it, it doesn't make sense. Right. Again, if it turns out that they're geniuses and, and, you know, this ends up being a blockbuster deal that changes everything. We're just hey, drinking sweet water. Hey, yeah, exactly. I'll buy a case of sweet yeah, water. Exactly. You know, we'll toast to it right here and, yeah. and I'll say, hey, I was wrong. But I don't see it. And I think this is going to be, I'm not saying it's going to be a Lord Jones deal because that was complete crap. And, uh, you know, it does not bode well for Kronos, but I don't. I think this will be looked back on, and people will say that was not an efficient use of a ton of capital, ton of capital. I, I, so, 
I'm I'm disappointed to see it. But to finish off the point on McConnell, Senate, whatever, if you think about it, it's like, okay, Democrats get the Senate. You're likely to get really positive legislation like the Moore Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, Democrats don't get the Senate. You're still probably going to get the SAFE Act. Um, and you're likely going to get some other kind of legislation. Maybe not today, but... Remember, there's there's more there's midterm elections in two years. Right. So, do they want to make this an election issue and fight over it? Like, no, I don't think so. Y- you know what I mean? It's just it, it just becomes this. So I don't I haven't fully understand I don't fully understand how it's going to play out. Yeah. Sorry, this is a part I completely forgot to talk about. But in the meantime, New Jersey's going wreck. Arizona's going wreck. New York is going wreck. Like I think by this time next year. You're going to be able to say, we have the New Jersey program, we have the New York program, we have the Arizona program. Arizona will probably be first because it's already a late-stage medical market. Right. But you'll be able to say, hey, New Jersey's going to start you know, January 2022. New York's going to start January 2022. I think these things will be figured out. Yeah. So even if nothing happens with the Senate... You know, you get to that point where it's capitulation or point of no return, whatever you want to call it. it sure. Just, you know, it just, like, nobody, nobody's going to want to die on their sword. For an issue that's already done. But but again, forget all that. Right. Forget all that. Okay. Forget, like, let's say nothing changes with the Senate. They're going to make money hand over fist in New Jersey. They're going to make money hand over fist in New York. Like, this is serious stuff, guys. Right? Like, I can't under uh, underscore how important it's going to be when these states flip. Right? I mean, New Jersey has, what, like, 12 licenses? I think 18, maybe? Like, it's good. let's say it goes up to 25. Like, it's a nine million people in that state. Right. New York has like ten licenses right now, right? Twenty million people in that state. You've got thirty million people there, and then Pennsylvania is probably not too far behind. You put those together, that's over forty million people. That's Canada. It's true. It's true. It's Canada more densely populated, better legal less legal restrictions than we have. People paying probably upwards of $15 a gram US. Yeah, yeah which is the, huge. The prices are insane. The every part of this chain like is going to go bananas and and that's if nothing at all changes with the Senate. So you're saying things stay status quo, you're still extremely bullish on the space given everything you just talked about, the states um as well as the revenue numbers, the fact that it's limited license um so even with status quo, you're still super gung-ho. Look, I want things to change. They have to change for the better. It is insane that people are still getting locked up for smoking weed and, and having a joint on them. That's crazy. It has to change. Yeah. But And it will change. That is actually really weird. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it has to change and it will change. But from an investment perspective, more of the same just the the delays that you know Mitch McConnell can cause, um, it's still really really good for the top operators, right? The harder it is to raise capital, right? Like you need probably a billion dollars of capital to build out Illinois just to get to the full potential. Where's that money going to come from? A lot of it's come from IIPR, okay, mm-hmm. but a lot of it will have to come from people like you and me. Mm-hmm. And so for us, this is the golden age of opportunity where because we're willing to do what other people aren't willing to do, 
we get these deals where I'm like, man, this is like a no brainer, right? Whereas the institutional investor or the NASDAQ trader is busy looking at Aurora, right? The investment banks are busy working on Aurora. And I'm like, man, these single state operators, these small multi-state operators, even the larger MSOs, like these are opportunities. That's where I agree with you unequivocally. Mm -hmm. And that was like, I don't know if you remember, like when we first met, I talked about how I didn't like the MSOs, MSOs, but Mm -hmm. I liked the single state operators because that's the way that I I thought um, where more value was at Mm -hmm. the time. And obviously, you know, Large MSOs at the time were kind of land grabs, though. It they was, were terrible. It was they put were a, awful. Put it's, a flag in every state. Right. The the term MSO has changed in the last sixteen months. Sure, I I would I'd, I'll be the first person to argue that. And you're unequivocally, I think you're you you got it right on the head there. The big banks, the bankers, whatever you want to call it, the institutional smart money, the large capital that's coming in is looking at these bigger deals, right? Because they want they just clip a fee. A lot of sell side banks just clip a fee. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that. So this is why they're not looking at these deals the way you're looking at these deals because you're actually putting your hard earned money, your skin in the game. Mm-hmm. You're not clipping a fee. You're riding it up. If the company is successful, you do. You're successful. Obviously, you know you're somebody who's dialed in the space. You're going to try to help the company as much as possible. Talk to management. Open up your network. You're going to do whatever you can. These big banks are not looking at it like that way. Of course. They That's make why. Money. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I, I heard you say something completely different. I heard you say, well, of course, they don't make money. Oh, they <laughs> like, oh, they make money. <laughs> stock goes up, stock goes down. They, they make, make money. money. Exactly, exactly. But where I like to look more, mm-hmm. what I consider, I don't really consider sell-side smart capital. I, I do, but not to the degree that I consider private family offices. They're good at selling. They're phenomenal at selling. They yeah. put out great research. They put out, they'll market your stock, they'll do everything, mm-hmm. right? They're the whole the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Where I see real, real, real smart money is private equity shops or family offices they've been sort of right. coined recently. Those people mm-hmm. are looking at single state operators. Those people are the ones who are putting their hard-earned money or inherited money, whatever, mm-hmm. however they got their money. Or not, her, not her, hard-earned not money. Not hard-earned money. But nonetheless, <laughs> they still need more because they have a, a, have a lifestyle right, where exactly. you, know, you can only <laughs> attain if you have hard-earned money. They need the bigger yacht. They need the bigger yacht, exactly. You know, a 65 can't do it anymore. You need a 67-footer. It's just, just the way that it is. Some of you even need a hundred footer, you know. But I don't have any frame of reference for how big the yacht, <laughs> the, yacht feet. the yacht. I know, but I don't. I don't know the difference between the sixty five foot yacht and the hundred foot yacht. Oh, dude, it's a new. Deck. I guess it's thirty five feet it's would be the deck. answer. It's a triple deck, hundred foot yacht's got. Uh, listen, recently I've taken up yachting this summer. Yeah, got so it. It's got uh, it. you know. Uh, anyway, sorry we digress. But no, you're. you're what I was trying to say with that is, well, well, of course, the sell side guys aren't looking at it right. because their business model is very different. Right. And a lot of investors don't know that. When they see equity research, I think you told me this. Or no, sorry. I was going to tell you this joke. My <laughs> buddy told me about this because you know how much, I'll be honest, I value equity research. Mm-hmm. I read it. Mm-hmm. I take. I don't take it as a gospel, but I do take it with, a, I don't take sure. it with a grain of salt. I, I really <laughs> read equity research and I'll say, okay. Why is this person right? As opposed to when you read it, why is this person wrong? Or where is this person coming from? How did they, I just ask, how did they get there? Okay, exactly. What's their thinking? How did they get there? Do I I was just going to say they probably just took the subway, got to their desk, started typing things up. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they're doing God's work. (laughs) Anyway, so one of my um, good buddies, he's equity research, cannabis guy. And um, 
hilarious thing. He's like, well, he's like, his joke is, well, I'm an accurate researcher. I'm just a glorified journalist. <laughs> or sorry, I'm just a glorified newsletter writer. That's what he says. Mm. Anyway, I, th- I thought you'd get a kick out of that joke. No? Just crickets? Uh, well, consider just... me well kicked. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, in that, in that regard. Well, so... Anyways, nonetheless, I don't consider... Uh, well, whatever. Well, so, Smart money so is doing to, what you're doing. But to finish, your, to finish your thought, right? Like, like family offices... Like, it's incentives, right? As a family office or as a private yeah, investor, you put your money in, right? And if if... You know, if your investment hits, right, that's your reward. The right. the bankers they don't think like that, right? If right. the investment, if the deal sells, that's their reward. Right. So, so if they have to work really hard, like if you have to cobble together a bunch of private investors to get ten million bucks, they can only clip a certain fee on that. Right. Whereas if institutions say, "Yeah, I'll give you twenty million in one check," and they clip the same fee, oh my god, life is easy, right? Right. So so for them, like. The Nasdaq and and just in general, publicly traded stock is so much easier to raise capital for, right? Even if it's CSE listed. But the Nasdaq stuff, people love that stuff. And there's all kind of games they play. They short it, then they buy it. No, no, for sure. So there's there's uh, before we we go there, I do want to go back um, to what I what I was trying to say with the um, with the sell side guys Mm -hmm. and incentive is the exact right word. I'm glad I'm glad that you hit on 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 that one. Um, There. So when a lot of people read headlines or press releases or whatever, they'll say like BMO brokered this canopy deal. It's like, oh man, BMO loves canopy. It's like, no, they don't. They just clipped a fee to mm-hmm. do this transaction. Totally. Whereas when you see like a uh, private investor invest in this, completely different thing, right? Yes. So, sorry, that's what I was trying to get at with when when hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 bank doesn't Canaccord doesn't love all these cannabis stocks, right? Yeah, exactly. They just love the fees they get. Yeah, and they were first out of the gate. They were the first ones to do these deals yeah. originally when nobody wanted them, and they made a lot of money, and they made their investors a lot of money, and yeah. their investors came back, and it was a very fortuitous cycle until it wasn't. But hold on, yeah, yeah. So we when, when we say Canaccord, remember Canaccord also has a wealth management arm as okay. well as a banking arm, the wealth management side, the advisors will hold it on their book so right. they do have an incentive like they do want high quality companies of course. they, they want it to do well of course right. but i'm saying that like the incentive that can accord investment banking has versus what you have very i mean very different very day, different right but a lot of people will reassure confirmation bias or whatever you want to call it reassure mm-hmm. their investments by saying well can accord is backing this deal yeah i mean our we'll never let them live it down but bmo's report on canopy 40 dollar price target Right. Yes, I remember that. I remember I called the end. I mean, that was that was I think only in February or something we talked about Mar or January. But it was in yeah. It was I, in look, January. write it down. It right. was twenty twenty one. It was it was twenty times twenty twenty one or seventeen times twenty times revenue. Yes, top line fifteen or twenty times, and I was like, this is egregious. But forty dollars canopy, hell no, hell no. But look, it could go. And then there. what happened right after? There was a there was a deal. Remember. I can't you know what before I say no, that. No, Canopy hasn't had a deal in forever. No, That's, no, no. I, Canopy I think doesn't it was hasn't hasn't raised equity since the constellation deal, so I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So so look, um to bring this home on this idea of why I'm so oh, we didn't even talk about this. I did not realize how much people in the US hate the CSE. And we're Canadian you know, what's wrong with the CSE? Okay, it's a junior exchange, but so is a TSX venture. Who cares, right? Yeah. The CSE has been a godsend for cannabis. They've been willing to do what no other exchange has done, right? They've enabled 
the U.S. guys to go public. It, it's been a phenomenal exchange in that regards. Um, the traders don't like the CSE, and the Americans really don't like the CSE and the OTC. So, you know, I'm talking to this to, to these guys, you know, to a company in the U.S., and I go, when are you guys going to go public? And they go, well, we're never going public on CSE, I'll tell you that. We're not going up to Canada to go public. Yeah, I've heard that from a few people. And I'm like, why? Like, why? Who, who cares, right? But I get their point. Like, the, the CSE is really a junior exchange. They don't want it. Like the, the Americans, and they don't want to go public in, on any Canadian exchange. They right. want to go on the U.S. exchanges, or they don't need to go public. Well, they they ultimately they want liquidity, but right. they're not necessarily in a hurry to go public. Right, and so they go, let it come to us, right? And so similarly, the American investors, they want to be on the U.S. exchanges. So when I, you know, when traders look at what's good for them, their incentive, they want something which is highly liquid, like the NASDAQ, where they can short, they can do options trading, they can do all kinds of stuff. You know, I like things that I feel are undervalued, right? Everybody talks about what's a catalyst, right? Like, think about it the other way around. What hasn't had the catalyst yet? Mm -hmm. So if you're on the CSE, um, to me, this is part of the golden age, if these companies were on the NASDAQ, they would be trading at much higher multiples. Yeah. They would attract mm -hmm. way different classes of investors. And and then the obvious part is if you're allowed to happen on the NASDAQ, then every other company in the world can invest in them or JV with them mm -hmm. because now you have the permissibility. So to me, it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's a matter of time. You're this 100 right. weird gridlock you know, not ideal situation we have set but up this here. This is where you want to. This is when you want to get in. Hell yeah! Well, yes. I mean, you should already be in by now. But no, I mean, no, but you want to stay in. No, but this is a. This is going to be, in my opinion, a volat. There's going to be volatility here, guys. It's not all, go spend all your money on day one. There's a lot of opportunity ahead of us. But I'm telling you, we're going to do this podcast. I don't know if it's going to be a year from now, or two years from now, or five years from now. The canopy will be at forty. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's going to be on the NASDAQ and you're going to be like, remember when you could buy these stocks at these multiples? Like, oh, we those... should report live from the NASDAQ. Oh, the... NASDAQ. <laughs> you know, one day, one day. We'll, we'll get on the, there. get on the PJ, fly down there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, to finish it off, I just want to get to some questions. Um, so two of these are really quick and then one's a little longer. Okay. So first one is from Zachary. He says, can you do an episode on short reports? If the space continues to heat up, we could see more of these short reports. We saw one on GrowGen. We saw one on TrueLeave. Uh, we saw one on Freya back in the day. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, maybe not a whole episode. We'll see if something comes up that you know makes it exciting enough to do. I, I will say just quickly that one of the things about being on the NASDAQ is it actually makes you more susceptible to shorts. Whereas, you know, a company like TrueLeave, it's a tightly held stock with a low float. Um, it's not easy to borrow those shares to short them, right? Like it's it's the uh, sort of illiquidity uh, makes it harder to short. Uh, do I do I have that right? You're right. You're 100 percent right. But I mean, these guys are very like they're they're very sophisticated. You don't necessarily need a tradable float to do a short, as long as you have access to that float. You, anyways, we can get really into it. But basically, you can you can securitize off management shares through like hold codes. It's a labyrinth mm. that you have to go through to figure out who actually holds the things. Uh, it's really bad up here in Canada. And actually, Zachary, um, I, there is I, I am working on something with 
a like a, a banker, a guest mm. that we're going to bring on. Okay. Um, and Abby's, it was, Abby's got his own short report coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sell canopy. <laughs> no, buy. <laughs> no, no, don't buy. Um, we're going to do one on a lot of just really cool terminology that you wouldn't necessarily nice. hear. Um, one and what, what sparked this whole thing, I was out for drinks with him and he called a raise the, uh, I think it was called the gypsy hustle or the gypsy, gypsy swap. swap. It was called the gypsy swap. And I had never heard that term before. And I've been working for, for quite some time. And I was like, oh my God. And then he's like, oh, the gypsy swap, you know what it is. It's this, 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 and this. I'm right. like, oh my God, I've never called it that. I've always called it death spiral financing. And he's like, oh, the gypsy swap leads to death spiral financing. But it's just funny little terms. And right. like, as the younger bankers come up, they have different slang. And right. their colloquialism is always funny. Right. So, not the old guys like Abby. Not the old guy. Oh, hey, man. In the cannabis space, you know, like if I had- You're an old dog. You're an old dog. Dude, we've been here. We've been here for almost 18 months. And so- um, (laughs) We're on our way out. We're We're almost done. Jeez, yeah, I know. And then so um, with that, he did want to talk about shorting as well. Oh, interesting. And so uh, we're working on something. Uh, If Zachary, if there's any questions that you have specific that you'd like answered, how granular you'd like to get, how in depth- let us know because uh, we're going to keep this very high level. We're going to keep it a little bit more entertaining and we're going to make it so that it's um, more lingo than getting mm-hmm. too technical, but we can get technical as well. He's Got it. O- open to doing that. CINpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, okay. Question number two is from Alex. Um, we already mentioned the part about, uh, so he, this was, again, he was just following up about New Jersey and New York and saying, look, the social equity part looks like it will be a struggle. Um, and I agree with him, but everybody needs a win. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is what they fight about. They fight about structure of licensing, which is which is very important and relevant. Uh, they fight about um, uh, the amount of money, so the amount of taxes that they'll do put on the system. Uh, and then they fight about where the money goes. So this is interesting. So Cuomo, for example, wants the money to go to uh, the you know just go to the state government in general, and then they can you know it plugs a hole in the budget, right? But a lot of times the uh, social equity people want it to go back to the communities, so put it back into for, first of all maybe give it to the social uh, licensees and then put it back in the community. So that will be an interesting kind of dance they have to do. Um, look, they've punted this thing a couple times before. Mm-hmm. Again, I just say New Jersey is going to point to New York. New York's going to point to New Jersey. So there's this real incentive to get it done this time right. around. And New York, their budget is in April. So if they mess around too much and they miss that April deadline, it's not good for anybody. So I think they'll get it done, but you're absolutely right. It, nothing's done until it's done. So gotcha. let's see what happens. Yeah. Last question. This is from Ben D. You're going to like this one, Abby. Ben uh, D. On Canadian extraction. So a little different from this episode. However, specialty. I'm going to bring it home at the end here. Okay? There you go. Um, on Canadian extraction, medical, Medifarm Labs versus rec, Valence. Uh, or I'm, neither. Uh, I'm interested in thoughts on why would one would prefer Valence over Labs or neither. I'm now extremely skeptical of Canadian rec. Therefore, I'm not interested in Valence. However, the international tides are changing, uh, including U.S. sentiment. Lab signed in, in, is signing international medical deals, and the stock price is trading at all-time lows. It looks attractive. Does anyone have an argu- any good argument as to as to why you know one is more promising than the other, or if both are actually no good? 
Okay. Do you want to go first? Uh, well, no, hold on. So there's a couple things that I do want to talk about. Um, we're, 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 I'm just pulling up the question over here. We're, when he's talked about, he's not, he's not into Canadian rec. So, so I'll, so. I'll just kick it off. So, uh, I look, I like both these companies. I've liked both these companies for a long time. Medifarm was my first big win in cannabis. So I've got a soft spot for Medifarm. Um, and I, I think you've hit it spot on. I, I think labs, you should think of as a global medical supplier. And I think of Valence, you should think of as a contract manufacturer for Canadian Rec. So big difference being that labs will uh, ship, you know, the the real like really like the oil type product to various medical markets, right? And the benefit of that is they can ship that globally, right? And um, Valence, on the other hand, the the lion's share of their revenue will be. Uh, brands coming to them and them producing from start to finish a finished good for a brand, okay, right? a two point product. Okay, so I think I think he has assessed the situation quite correctly. Right. So um, I like both of them. I think they're both interesting. Um, in the short to medium term, I like Valent more than Labs. Right. And you know, you put in here that you're very skeptical skeptical on Canadian Rec. I would push back a little bit and say. Canadian Rec has been an absolute mess, but look at where the sales are going, right? The sales are accelerating, and 2.0, it's a full year behind 1.0. Mm-hmm. So the acceleration that you're seeing, 2.0 is getting a lot of love, right. and that's just bearing out. It's still going to take some time to get to scale, but I think this time next year, you're going to see a lot better results out of the flower sales and out of the 2.0 sales. Gotcha. So don't count them out yet just because the sales haven't been that great yet. Right. Um, I would, listen, I'm actually pretty bullish on Canadian rec, not overall in terms of the entire sector, but very specific opportunities within Canadian rec. Uh, Dispensaries and distribution, I think right now are, it's the baby getting thrown out with the bathwater. Uh, in the sense that the LP, they're they're getting unfairly, fairly value unfairly valued based off of Canadian LPs, um, and there's a disconnect there, and there's a trade brewing in there. If you dig, do do a little bit more digging, um, extraction I think is still a good buy. Um, you had one part where you said Valens or Labs or neither. Right now, I don't hold either one of them, um, and I wouldn't buy either one of them not because there's anything wrong with other other companies you you're clearly well informed you know exactly where the the strengths and weaknesses of each companies are um it's because i always i always do this uh even when i'm in the states or when we're looking at u.s cannabis i always look at the top quartile companies and then i look at the second quartile Mm. companies and so i do that that same thing with everything right because i can easily point to a top quartile company and say Mm -hmm, this could, mm -hmm. could easily be worth that much and so there is actually more than just two Canadian extraction companies. There, there's 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 quite a handful of them. And Manish touched on it one time about licenses coming on board as a potential risk. Um, I think you need to start going further down. And there's a couple of names that I can put together. We can talk about another episode. Uh, like the second quartile names where I think there is opportunity for those guys to do better. To, to, to sort of take up some of the business that Labs and Valance can't do. See, I disagree with you. So... I thought you were going to say that you didn't want to go for it because, you know, you want to see 
um, the top guys kind of, you know, getting the momentum and then you'll go after the second tier guys. I do, sorry, I do want to do that. Right. I do I, I do that all the time. That's right. like, that's what but, I meant. But right now, Medifarm and Valence, they are the top tier of extraction and they have no heat behind them, no love at all. People, like, people have given up on these names. Right. People are completely dumping But we know why shares. people have given up on these names. But So let's talk about this. So for ex- here, here's where I'm bringing it all around, okay? If you want to see... Um, how bad this, like how powerful the NASDAQ listing is, go and look at Neptune Wellness. Neptune Wellness is, you know, when people used to talk about extraction, they would say uh, labs, valence, Neptune, radiant. Yeah. Right? Nobody talks about radiant, any- nobody talks about extraction anymore. But, nobody talks about Neptune neither. So, yeah. ra- so radiant's gone, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not gone, but nobody pays attention to it. Yeah. Neptune, nobody talks about, right? But they've essentially shifted from, they barely even do cannabis anymore. They don't even talk about it anymore, yeah. right? Now what's happened is they've got much more of a focus on the US. I, I really don't like this company, but they up they had a uh, listing on the, on the NASDAQ and look at their valuation, look at their share price, look at their ability to raise capital. It, they have a much higher valuation than either Valence or Labs, despite being a much worse company. It's just the power of the NASDAQ. They're able to attract you know, investors with a longer-term focus with bigger checkbooks. So to bring it home, why I like these opportunities is where Abby likes to see the, you know, Abby likes to see the momentum get there, like it's, you know, the beginning of it, and then you like to be the second one in the door. Right. Yeah. My philosophy is I like things that are cheap. And sometimes that means I'm the first one in the door. Right. That means that today I'm buying them. They're super beaten up. Nobody cares about them. But I believe in these businesses and I think they'll turn the corner. Yeah. Look, listen, we're not going to turn this into a value versus momentum thing. Okay. That's not what we're gonna, That's not what I'm getting at. Uh, I thought we were going to rename the podcast that. Yeah. Jesus. Value versus momentum. Um, one's right, the other one's niche. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, you're you're 100 right. Um, Neptune is a good example of um, the Nasdaq listing not necessarily working out so well uh, in terms of value, right? Okay. Because yes, you're right. The value. I'm assuming the price is higher. Oh, sorry, I'm assuming the valuation is higher. The there's a lot more eye- eyeballs on the stock than both uh, Labs and Valens. Um, uh, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, Labs yeah. and Valens. Um, where I'm sort of trying to get <clears throat> with that is that, I mean, to me, that's irrelevant right now. I don't even, I wouldn't even consider, unfortunately, when I was giving my little spiel about the top extraction companies in the quartiles, mm-hmm. I didn't even consider Neptune in the top Exactly. Quartile, People don't even right? think about it as a cannabis company. Yeah. So like I've taken them off completely on, on my list. Um, where I was trying to go with that mm-hmm. is that Labs and Valens right now, if you look at their underlying businesses, they're, they're, they're performing just fine. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not underwater. They're not as bad as the LPs. They have. They have. And margins. these both these companies are well capitalized. That's exactly. They're this sitting is, on good cash balances. They're not going anywhere. Exactly. They're not going anywhere. The f- extraction sector was just out of favor for a little bit. It is starting to come back. Okay. It's not coming back as quick as you know USMSOs or or Afria or whatnot. That's not. That, that's not happening. However, though, when this when it does come back and when people do start looking at it. It's a sector where you want to be in because it's so out of favor. Now, the question is, okay, I want to be in this. Clearly, you know, uh, Bendy, you, you know a lot about um, the sector, so you want to be in the sector. 
and you're trying to figure out which ones would you pick. I right now, I'm, I told you my thesis is neither. I wouldn't go with either Labs or Valens. Um, they are going to do well. They there will be a little bit of an uplift, but I think there's more alpha to be captured with the second tier guys because Valens and Labs. If you look at who they're actually taking the money from, who who their customers are, it's larger Canadian LPs sure. who can't pay. Sure, and I shouldn't say that in a blanket statement, but they've been known to not pay. Sure. I mean, yeah. they're still in court they're with ballooning, Yeah, they're ballooning uh, accounts payables uh, sure. on their balance sheets like crazy. Look at the second tier extraction companies because they have they're clipping up all the smaller contracts, right? Mm. Manish, you love the you love the movie Moneyball. These guys, the smaller guys, they're not hitting home runs. They're just trying to get on. They're getting base. walks. They're getting walks. They're taking the <laughs> bunt. They're doing whatever they possibly can to just sort of clip it, and they're flying under the radar, right? Um, unfortunately. I say, as I say, they're flying under the radar. I don't have one that I can just point to and be like, oh, my God, this yeah. has done so well. They're so under few... the radar, you can't see them. Well, because some of them are so private. Yeah, no, absolutely. Exa- right? True. Exactly. And so, anyways, um, that that's where that, that's sort of where, where I was going with that. So, yes, it is there. there's a value component and a moment, momentum component. This is cannabis. You know, you're going to have both because value doesn't really exist in cannabis by true definition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By a traditional value definition, yeah. for sure. So it's like right now, you know, you, yeah, yeah. you can be like a quasi It's a different investing momentum. style. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. But so just to finish the thought on that, Ben, um, uh, sorry, you, you mentioned about Valence and, and the, you know, what they're doing uh, in terms of um, balance sheet, right? So I think they've actually shifted away from that. So if you look at what they're doing now, they're, they're, contract manufacturing they're doing the white label that we always talked about right and so why is that important it's important because now the receivable is not from the lp yeah like it was back in the tolling days mm-hmm. right um now the receivable is the ontario government yeah which right is like secured you know it's coming right yeah. so so that's a huge plus the other thing too is i think that from like to succeed i think you're going to need scale yeah. So you're right. If you go for like for I get calls sometimes for the private extractors and some of them are doing pretty well. Right. And you can get a reasonable valuation. Right. Um, but ultimately, I, I think that in any business to succeed, you're going to need scale. Right. And uh, when I look at, you know, Valence and Labs, even right now, when they're just getting completely kicked in the dirt, um, they're still doing 10 to 20 million dollars a quarter in sales. Mm-hmm. Right. These companies have scale. Right. And. <clears throat> As the uh, market grows and expands, I think they're going to be in the position to step their foot on the gas. And just lastly, on Valence, you know, I keep a really close eye on the Canadian market, you know, because we live here. But also, it's just interesting to me um, when you look at some of the best 2.0 products, especially where you want to look is vapes, because vapes is where the money is. So right now, um, you know, edibles, drinks, tiny percentage of the market, vapes are actually. Uh, way better sellers because you get a lot of bang for your buck, mm-hmm. right? You can sell a half gram cart for 30, 40 bucks. If you're 30 bucks, you're the low end of the market, right? right. That's good dollar per, you know, Massive milligram. margins, right? Yeah. Those are good. Those are good margins. So uh, Pure Sun Farms, their vape is made by Valence, right? If you look at um, the Verse cart versus a brand, it's made by Valence. Verse also has Shatter, made by Valence. So Valence controls the process from the beginning to the end. In Pure Suns Farms' case, they're, it's not quite the beginning because they're getting the you know the product from them, but they control the manufacturing process. I think that's really key 
because as new people come into the space, um, they don't want to have to go get their own license and build out whatever, whatever, right? Um, they're going to want that start to finish kind of uh, experience, the hands-off experience. And that's right. what Valence can offer them. So, you know, sometimes it makes sense to look for the value and the, and the lower players. Sometimes you go right for the top. And when the top guys are this beat up and you know they're well capitalized and they have, in my opinion, great management teams, both companies, uh, that's where I'd like to go. Right. So Valence, short, medium, rec, I like it a lot. Medifarm, I still like, but it's a longer-term global pharmaceutical play. Makes sense. Makes sense. Very, very value-esque approach. Yes, sir. Right. So, guys, uh, cinpodcast at gmail.com. Always love to hear your feedback. The future is bright for U.S. cannabis. We are excited. Until next time. This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decision, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable, but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you.